This podcast is brought to you by Universal Audio, a pioneer in audio recording for more than 50 years. UA faithfully crafts classic analog recording hardware like the LA-2A and 1176 and is committed to creating new digital recording tools with the sound and spirit of vintage analog technology. Check out their line of Apollo audio interfaces, UAD plugins, and more at uaudio.com. Hey, it's Larry Crane. Welcome to the Tape Op Podcast. A major star in her native land, via her successful acting and music careers, Argentina's Juana Molina should be a household name in the rest of the world. In April 2017, she released her seventh album, Halo, and will be touring the world in support. Online publisher Jeff Stanfield caught up with Juana to discuss the making of her new album, her process, and the path that has led her to this point. Enjoy! This audio recording was not originally tracked with the intent of using for a podcast. It was recorded solely for transcription for our print interview. Please forgive any balance issues, background sounds, or lack of clarity. Enjoy. Segundo was the first record that I heard of yours, and um, I was wondering how you view the progression of ideas from one record to the next. Well, um, I think Segundo is the freest record because I didn't have any expectations uh, from me, but especially not from the audience. So I was just doing, it took me a long time to make it, almost two years of uh, not thinking, of not uh, having any pressure, of just doing what I felt it had to be done and really enjoying the process uh, during the nights. Because uh, I had a, a very young child at the time, so during the day it was impossible to work. So it, it's a very... Um, What's the word for nocturne? Do you have that word? No. Yeah, nocturnal, nocturnal record. Uh, it was really made. Some t- some parts of it, I was half as- as- asleep, so I didn't. The good thing about Segundo is that there's really there's no thought at all, nothing. And then after I made that, and I had to have, I, I started to have some response from people that I had never expected. Um, then when I had to make Tres Cosas, things changed because I knew there was someone expecting something on the other side of the world, somewhere. So uh, I started to have thoughts like, should I make it a little bit more, more stripped down? Should I do it exactly the same? You know, when, and when you, have, when you start having that, it is a problem that you need to learn to live with. And to work with, because um, those thoughts ruin your your record. 
for what you do. And it's something very difficult to, to achieve I, in my case. So um, I decided to stop the record before it became too similar to Segundo. So I didn't record thousands of layers of things on that record. I came back when I recorded Son, I had, in addition of everything, I had the live shows as an experience that I didn't have before during the previous two records. And I started to add more, um, I started to record a lot on the loop pedal and started to compose in a different way. Even though I was looking for a, lo a looping pedal before it existed, because I didn't want to have the musicians playing over and over something, the same thing, thinking that they were going to get very bored, that they, would, they wouldn't like to play just three notes during five minutes. I was really looking for that machine to, and it didn't exist. So you had delay pedals and you had other things, but that looping pedal didn't exist until I found it and really found the best friend I've ever had. I didn't record loops on the records. I just played over and over the same thing, but I thought that no one would like to do that, so except a machine. So I started to record uh, real loops when I got the, the, the pedals and started to compose faster than, than before because I had the loop immediately and I could record other things on top of it immediately. So I would record a full song in a few, I mean, in the time it takes to almost to play a song. That's why the, the songs in song are more stripped down at the beginning and then they built up towards the end. That's because of the pedal. was really happy because I had found um, a very personal way to do things that represented me totally. Uh, I didn't feel that there was something missing or something 
too many, too many. I don't know how to say that, but you know what I mean. I mean, in the past few years, the looping pedal became too, perhaps too popular. So I felt like I had to change and I had to find a new way of doing things. But how can you change yourself? If you've been playing loops since you're 10 years old without a name, because it didn't have a name, you, I just called it repetitions. Uh, so I really had to try to change the way I naturally do things in order to, to grow or to try to grow and try to, to not repeat myself. Um, so it's been more difficult to do that. What were some of the new approaches and ways that you wrote and recorded this new record? Well, um, well for a start, I almost didn't look. I mean, when I play, I play looping. I play repeating the phrases I because I, that's the way I've always done things. But I, I wanted to not to have like for instance this uh, building process instead I wanted to have different parts where you had all the instruments coming in at the same time or, uh, or none of it or and also because we went to a studio and I hadn't gone into a studio for 20 years we had many instruments to play with so new instruments always give you new ideas, like the um, violins in Paraguaya, the first track, um, or, um, I don't know, many, many sounds that just told me what to do with them, as it usually is. But uh, the difference is that, that I, I don't buy new instruments in general. I, I've made five records with the same instruments um, except for the electric guitar but that's not a big difference um, I don't I couldn't really tell and there was also other people I, I was not I was not used to work with other people around anymore I had recorded on my own for many years and to have other people around was a way to have more options but at the same time to to I had the risk to be more shallow because sometimes when I am recording on my own and I find an idea I go until I find what I really want I could be there for hours and I don't realize time is passing by but when you have other people with their bra with their arms crossed waiting for you to finish something. Um, well, that makes you stop before that. But then I, I came back to that situation when I came back home and I had to edit uh, what we've done, what we've recorded in the studio. And we... Is that how the record was uh, made, that you went into the studio and you gathered a bunch of performances and then took it home and, and worked on the record uh, there doing edits? I had a few songs, um, a few, uh, I had uh, like many ideas for the songs, 
in a very simple way because most of them had been recorded at um, sound checks on the loop station. But I didn't want to work on them before I went to the studio. So I had like um, a pattern or a, or a sound or just, um, I don't know, a, a, the seed of the song, but, but not, I hadn't de developed the song at all before going to the studio. So we stayed there for three weeks and, um, and we tried to develop the, the original ideas and to add more things with the new instruments we had there. And we took the songs and sometimes played for maybe half an hour, just playing around. And then, yes, I came back home and edited that and returned that, uh, that recording that lasted half an hour or 40 minutes in something shorter. And, and what, are you, what are you working in at home? Uh, what system do you use? Well, I used to use a digital performer, but as everything had been recorded in Pro Tools, I had to learn how to use Pro Tools, which is thankfully very much alike to performer. There are a few things that I really missed in uh, Pro Tools that doesn't have very simple tools that are obvious to me, and Pro Tools doesn't have them. But in exchange, I had many others from Pro Tools that digital performance doesn't have. So now what I want is to have a mix of both would be great. And it took me a little while to get used, especially to the shortcuts and all that kind of thing. Because in Performer, you can change the shortcuts the way you want, but in Pro Tools, they are mandatory. They, are, they force you to use what they built, what they have designed. You can't change that. And so this record was made with Pro Tools for the first time. So when you're starting a mix, where do you start? What are the essential elements in, in your approach to a mix? In general, uh, the mixing comes with the recording because I find already a place for the new instrument in the, in the mix already. So if there's a guitar, maybe then I can, if there's other things that come in the, into the track, then I decide that maybe something that was in the middle needs to go to the right or the left. And then, um, but it's like embroidering when I mix on my own. Here it's been a different process because Eduardo Bargallo has, um, we mixed, uh, we, I had like previous mixes made at home and then I took that to the studio again. And he, he took the mixes from, from zero. And I was very scared because I had worked a lot on the mixes and uh, the only thing that he more or less uh, rather more than less <clears throat> kept was the panning <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> and then um, and the volumes more or less but for instance in songs like Lentissimo the the guitar that is now starring the song was was really um, low uh, very quiet and when he proposed to do that, at first I was a bit reluctant, but 
then I thought he was right, and now I love it the way it is. Um, so the, the problem to, to work a lot on something is that when you give it to someone else, um, you suffer a little bit because you've worked so much, you're used to the song and things to sound away, and then someone starts from the beginning again, and what all you do is just to tell him, do this so it sounds exactly the same it was. And then he asks you, if you want it to sound the same way it was, why do you need me? <laughs> so, but um, and, but then we made a good, a good team, both of us, and we got to, to like, he wanted, he insisted in, in having delays and, and reverbs that I didn't want. But some of them are really good. It's always interesting when you have uh, something you've worked on, like you said, and then uh, you have somebody in that you trust and you uh, can appreciate their aesthetic, but it's still hard to uh, let go. But often time uh, lets you appreciate their input. Yes, totally. Yes. contributors and, and a friend of mine, Tom Monahan, who I know yes. you you worked with in the past. I told him I was going to be speaking with you and I asked him if he had any questions. And he, one of the things he said was that he'd always wondered how much of your writing is based in pure improvisation. And if you see composition as a curation of ideas initially, or if it's a thing that you do daily and, and sort of watch what themes emerge. No, I think that it's the first case. It's like curating um, a few improvisations. And especially because I think improvisations have something so fresh that I try to keep all of them in the records. And then I learn them to play the record live. But it has something that you can't repeat, really. Especially if it's if it's, I don't know, a line, uh, a keyboard line that, even if you do it again, sometimes, I don't know if people would notice the difference, but I can. And if I can, anybody else could. So sometimes, I don't know, there's just a little mixing of, well, for instance, let's take it for a modulation. Sometimes you're playing a key and you just move the modulation wheel in a way that, I don't know, it has something special. Then when you do it, it's heavier and it's, it's not, not everything, but many things are impossible to repeat. Uh, sometimes you can even improve them, but um, I usually take what's been recorded and just, um, if it's really wrong and I see what the idea was, then I play it again, but I try not to. 
When you're programming synths, do you program for a specific song or purpose, or do you program more broadly and then pull from that what you need when you need it? Well, in general, I go first through the sounds in my keyboard. And when nothing works, I go to the most, to the closest one that I imagine that could work. And then I start changing some parameters to make it fit in the song. Uh, and sometimes I am just playing around with the keyboard and make a very nice sound that I find very nice and then make a song with it. That's the way, it can be either way. Uh, now, now I'm going to... I am taking classes of programming because I got a new keyboard that I really can't manage at all. <laughs> Which one um, is that? It's a Prophet 12. And um, I know I can do, I mean, for instance, there's a few things on the song track, is it six? Um, Calculos y Oraculos. They're like, um, like, pew, pew, like little cats. We call them cats that come in. And I programmed that sound on, in the studio. But by chance, if I wanted to repeat that sound, I wouldn't be able to make it. And now I am with Odin, the, key, the guy that plays with me, one of them. Um, we are going to take classes of programming since, because everything I've done is just by ear. And sometimes I, am, I struggle trying to, to do something and I really don't know what exactly. I, I know many things, but this keyboard, this new one, has really too many parameters, too many things. And sometimes you're moving knobs here and there and moving them and nothing changes. And it's just because you need to enable who knows what to, to make all that, change the sound you're making. And I'd like to, I don't know, to, to try to make things uh, faster. Although accidents as everybody knows, are our best friends. So if you know too much, then you are less inclined to have an accident. Uh, it's like driving, except you don't die. <laughs> to ask you about your idea of rhythm and it, it's so much the centerpiece of your music and before you answer I wanted to read you a quote from Tom um, he said rhythm is super forward for her it's all pocket everything is so contextually tied to being in a groove of some sort being at an angle to it 
stating and not stating it, but feeling its absence, a never-ending multitude of entry and exit points. She is always the master of the moment that's happening. She's not a cloud in the sky in the world of the arrangement. She's the center of everything, the fabric of everything that's going on. Just one big vibrational field with Juana in the center. Wow. I, need, I want that quote to, to make it part of my um, bio. <laughs> so where do you draw the rhythmic influences from and then how are they reimagined for your music? Oh, I, how can you know that? How can you know? Because uh, people tend to... to, to um, I again a word that i don't have to um, but people tend to think that what you listen is what influences you and i've been listening to james brown for ages when i was younger and i don't think i have anything from james brown uh, and sometimes i find myself having perhaps some African rhythms that I may have got from when I was maybe 13 or 14 and I discovered uh, by uh, some French radio station that they were playing music from all over the world and I really liked some like Ethiopian music or the big Pygmy's music and uh, other things that were really very simple but simple because there weren't many things but at the same time I wonder if that had an impact on me or if it had awakened something that it was formed in me um, I have this theory about music and influences that um, influence are only awakeners of what you already are because people listening to the same music would do the same would play the same music would create the same music and it's not the case and also I imagine that all the music I mean you're if that's what you're asking or I'm saying something that has nothing to do I mean you came from a very musical family um, yeah. You know, and, and there was music in your life and, and from a young age. I mean, I, I think that there's something to be said for just passive influence and sort of it's in your DNA, so to speak. Uh, but then you're a filter. You're a filter, yes. But can you, can, you, can you control that filter? I don't think you can. I think it's something that is not even a... Um, a virtue. I mean, it's not something that you can uh, congratulate anybody for that because it's it's not like making the effort of doing something like sewing a coat. I don't know. You sew a coat. Oh, congratulations! You made a very nice coat. But but something that you you can't really control that it's there. What's your accomplishment? What's your... I don't know, it's very strange. I really haven't... I don't have a, a very strong position on that. I don't know what's happening. I don't understand what it is. 
it's funny that you mentioned James Brown and and to think that uh, you say that you don't feel like you have any of that, but the the whole center of his music is rhythm and the groove. So, yes. so I would argue that you did take away something from that. Yes, no, or I really have uh, an inclination. Can you, is that a word? Sure. To uh, approach rhythmic things. Uh, that like better when it's very rhythmic than when it's not. But at the same time, there are very melodic things that I liked a lot. Um, but yes, probably, I don't know, if you choose because you are or if you are because you choose. <laughs> Who knows? <That's> <laughs> no. Well, um, yeah. you know, uh, from rhythm to something else that's very prevalent in your music is that and I read at a young age that you were intrigued by Indian music and the drones in the music. Yes. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you liked about that aspect of the music? I like uh, I like it, I think. I like it because it just takes you like in a tunnel and drives you and you float in there. That's what I like about the drone or about that constant repeating thing that really makes you there's no alterations it could be very rhythmic as well but what i don't think i like very much songs with many changes although i do like them so i don't know exactly what it is that i make that I, that a song has to have for me to like it or or not, I think it's a combination of all that, of course. But um, and sometimes I don't like to have very clear clear ideas of what I do because then I am um, I am aware of something that was natural or spontaneous, and once I notice what it is, it's not spontaneous anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is something interesting with with the drones that sort of lock lock the listener into the moment even if there's swirling rhythm or whatever it is and even if there's a, a lot of linearity in the music i feel that um the the function of the drone really like you said it puts you in a tunnel it puts you in the moment and keeps you there uh, yes uh, which is which is what a lot of your music does for me as a listener in many ways there's no no beginning and end uh yes. which, I, which i really like um, yes, it's great. Um, what What is it about recording music and performing music that was so strong that you left a successful acting career? Well, the thing is, I, I started a successful career, which I didn't know was going to be so successful, to have money so I could play music. Because um, the problem with me was that I was really very, very shy and I couldn't play in front of anybody. So I couldn't start playing music and I couldn't start and I couldn't and I couldn't. And I always had an excuse to do something else. And even though I was playing a lot at home, I was always learning guitar and going to, uh, taking lessons and practicing a lot. But at the second I thought there was an ear hearing, then I stopped playing. And when I was playing, I shut all the windows, all the doors, everything, so nobody could hear what I was doing from anywhere. And then 
I don't know why I was, I think it's a mix of shyness is the other side, is the other face of uh, vanity, I guess. So if I wasn't perfect and the best, I just didn't want anybody to listen to what I was. I, I didn't want anybody to criticize me, I guess. That must have been the problem, the main problem. And, um, but one day I was already 30 and, and I said, if I don't do it, I won't do it ever. It was, it was really going to be, because when you're young, as everybody knows, you think life is eternal, infinite. But then you get to an age when you realize that you're getting older. And then I knew that I had, because when I started to be, to be very successful with my TV show, I couldn't even think about music anymore until I had to stay in bed for a few months. So there I had the time to think and to see where I was and to realize that I had lost my path, that I had, that I wanted to work on TV to have enough money to play music and that that idea had been a trap and I had got caught in it. And I really needed to get out of there as soon as possible. So that's what I did. I stopped the show in the middle of the season and and that was it and started with music and it took me a long time to do it confidently under quotes and so um after after acting um your your shyness just disappeared for you or was it no 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 not at all no 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 had you seen had you seen the first shows i gave for the first three four years my god i would be so embarrassed if you had seen one of those Uh, they were awful i couldn't even open my mouth i couldn't play i was shaking uh i missed all the notes in the guitar i was never happy with the sound. I couldn't understand what was happening, so I couldn't tell the sound guy to what to do to make it sound better because I knew nothing and I didn't have the confidence to to just go and do it. Um, like I remember one time that was the worst time in my life that uh, I couldn't play. I couldn't play and I just told the guy, I don't know, I just can't play, I just can't play. And the guy said, but I, I don't know what you want me to do for so you to play, just play, but I can't. And then years later, remembering that time, I can tell that the only problem was that my monitor was too loud. And I couldn't even notice that it was just that. It was so loud and so, sh- and so crisp that <laughs> I couldn't even play a note because it was like, like exploding everywhere (laughs) it was just too loud and then that show was awful and there were people in the audience and I mean there were people having something to drink and I didn't know that people were going to be the audience and then someone came to me and said well I think you can start the show I said well but are these people not gonna leave no no this is the audience and then it was so humiliating because they had seen me in such a state 
swearing and, and suffering and almost crying. And how could you do a show after they've seen you naked? So that was the worst experience in my life. But with the time, with time and, and many, 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 many concerts where, where there were people that, even though everything was a disaster, could appreciate a little bit of what was behind, that was the important thing, that was the music. From those on, I started to build a new audience. Because the people that came see me at the, in the first shows were people that wanted, knew me from the TV show. So everything was very uh, heavy to, to, I don't know, I just didn't have the, the tools to manage that at the beginning. But you, you obviously persevered. Obviously, that wasn't enough to slow your passion for making music and performing. <laughs> Apparently, I, I am very stubborn because I really persevered. Uh, every Because it was so frustrating after every single show that I said, okay, next one is going to be better. And then finally was better. But it took me easily five years to have a proper show, proper concert where people didn't leave. <laughs> I find that hard <laughs> to believe, but, <laughs> but I'll trust they you. Left. I'll take your word. really left, but it was in, impossible to watch. It was a nightmare. It was something, people, people were there. They bought a ticket to have a fun time and they were suffering to see that monster on stage. It was a monster. Oh, that's I, I, great. I really was a creep. I, I, it was awful, awful. <laughs> we won't stop talking. <laughs> we'll stop talking about it. So you, you can have the rest of your day can be pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> you talked earlier about making records um, after your child had gone to bed. And, and I, I thought it was interesting and, and there's something to making music at night when it's when it's more quiet and still out and um, you're tired and a little free of the day, I guess. Yeah. Um, yes. Can you talk a little bit more about that? I, I think that's an interesting concept and how the music is different and how it sort of, uh, you know, touches maybe a little bit more personal, quiet, uh, emotionally. Yes, I think it's important uh, to lose your mind when you're playing music because um, thoughts are the enemy of doing anything creative. That's why I don't really like uh, conceptual art because I think if you don't have the um, environment that puts that... Uh, I mean, it's not that I don't like it, it's that it doesn't interest me as much as free things or eternal pieces of music that are not responding to something that already exists. Um, and when you are there very tired, lonely at night, um, the mind is also tired. So it doesn't think that much. And also because sometimes I was really half asleep uh, so you I, I started to have 
the images when you're half asleep are uh, bigger and and more like in a dream. So you have an instrument that you're playing, but at the same time is the instrument that tells you what to do with it. The instrument or the sound, I may say, especially in a keyboard, when you, different sounds make you play in a different way. And you can't, I don't know, there's rhythms, there's, sorry, there are sounds that doesn't allow you to make rhythms, and there's sounds that doesn't allow you to make um, long notes. So the sound really tells you what to do. And when you're there and you just lose yourself and forget about everything involuntarily, and in, not voluntarily, what's the word for that? Uh, without willing it, without wanting to do, to do so, um, everything becomes like in a dream. And things get confused and at the same time are very clear that they have a meaning when you're there, while you're there. And then the next, sometimes when I woke up in the middle of a song, I say, oh, 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 and I had images and then all of a sudden I see the computer again. I say, oh, what I was doing? And then the magic is broken when that happens. Or sometimes you realize if if you're aware of something nice that you just uh, you just did, the magic is also broken. Is like a spell gone, and and sometimes certain phrases, certain musical phrases, don't have an end because of that. And you need to sometimes I need to invent or to to create an end for something that's been created in a totally different mood. And I really don't think that people can tell where the the real magic phrase ended and where the false one comes in. Because I really work very, 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 very hard until I find something that matches what was before. You know what I mean, more or less? Yeah. Because it, I, 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 sometimes I think I'm not very clear when I... How do you remedy that then? Or how do you... Um... Well, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you can't. And, and, and I, 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 for instance, there's a keyboard. <clears throat> no, there's a vocal in Son on track three, La Verdad, where I sing um, something that goes like... And then it goes on and on. And then I remember the second I said, oh, this is really cool. And I couldn't keep singing. And I had to kind of copy and paste for the last sentence to copy and paste and invent an ending to that song, to that phrase, because I just, the, the way I was singing, the everything, I mean, nothing matched after that. I, I really tried to do it again to, to match the sound, to match the, the atmosphere, and I couldn't. So I, re I had to to make a, like a sewing process of cutting and paste many little pieces of the other phrase, phrases and invent a new one from that on because I just couldn't, I had the idea in, in my head but I couldn't make it sound the same.
I never could. So I had to trick, I had to, I had to, to, to fix it somehow. I had to finish that sentence. And I did. And I don't think you could notice that, but I always do when I hear it. <laughs> always. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so what is, what's your relationship with technology? Obviously it's an important part of your music. Um, there's a, there's, there's an influence and a, and a marriage of machine and acoustic and human in your music. Can you talk a little bit about your relationship to technology? I hate technology. I am. Um, I think I hate it because I didn't grow up with technology. It's something that is always new, and I, if I don't use something for a few months, then I need to relearn the whole thing again. Uh, for instance, I was editing a video right now, and I made a whole video three years ago with this software. And I couldn't even know, I couldn't even realize how to, where to put the, the raw material to start working. And I've been watching tutorials for a week <laughs> because I just forgot. I mean, I, I worked, I made a video and I knew how to, to make it work three years ago. Now I want to make a new video and it's impossible to remember and everything's gone. And that's what, and that happens with anything. I, I I start from scratch. Any program, any new instrument that has too much things to do, then I, I just I can't pay attention, and I don't remember how to use it anymore. And in addition, I am working with a guy now. Um, one of the this guy I told you about before, uh, Odin, Odin Schwartz. Um, He's, he's, I mean, he grew up using these machines. He grew up with, uh, I don't know, with everything that's technology that I don't know. So everything's easy for him. And because it's easy for him, it's even more difficult for me because I know he can do it. So I ask him to do it. And then once it's ready, I, I do the the what what I really wanted to do but everything that you need to do first to be able to to create I don't like the word create it's a bit pretentious but to play or to do anything everything that needs to be done first it's a pain for me really I hate technology it's funny to hear you say that because your music sounds so technologically coherent and with all the loops and the beats and stuff it very has a very technology influenced sound so it's it's funny to hear you say that you hate it <laughs> yes i mean i love it once i know it like digital performer for instance i i really know how to work with it because i use it i've been using it for almost 20 years and i really know how it works but i'm using a 10% of its possibilities but i really uh, master those 10 those 10 that 10% uh, because I've done it a hundred trillion times. So when I had to come back to go to Pro Tools, and then for editing, Performer is so much better, so a hundred trillion times better than Pro Tools. Pro Tools, you need to do really stupid things to get something so simple done. 
And um, so I, I, and I, I like editing. I am very, um, hold on, I'm going to look for this word because it's important. Uh, Spanish, English, minuses. Meticulous. Yeah, it's not meticulous, but we can use that. Yeah. Very meticulous when I, when I edit and when I want, when I have an idea, when I found an idea, uh, until it's not ready and it's not exactly what I want it to be, I don't stop and I can be editing until six in the morning, something that lasts three seconds, uh, looking for mini commas to, okay, just one tick to the left, one tick to the right and one volume up and one down until it's perfect. And it's, I said, oh, but why do you take that? Um, people some, sometimes don't like that kind of work. And I love it. I really like editing. I think it's, uh, it's really part of what I do now. Thanks for listening. Find us online at tapeop.com. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, 